0: Good afternoon. afternoon. Welcome again. Thank you for being here. It's good to see Brother George with us today. Glad he's able to be out. We appreciate George and his family and his service here as an elder for many years. We are looking at 2 Timothy chapter 1 in our lesson today, this afternoon. We're going to be talking about suffering for the Lord or suffering for Christ. It's interesting that in the book of Acts in chapter 5, The apostles were beaten at the command of the Sanhedrin council. And the Bible says that they counted it an honor to suffer shame for the name of the Lord. It's hard to imagine people that would rejoice in their adversities. And yet they did. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, If any man suffer as a Christian let him not be ashamed but glorify God in this matter it's great to be a Christian it's great to be a child of God and with that sometimes comes difficulties trials and so Paul makes mention of that talks about his suffering for Christ and his allegiance to the Lord so let's just talk for a moment or two about what it means to follow Christ and the suffering sometimes that can accompany our relationship to the Lord. I want to begin by first and foremost as we talk about suffering for the Lord. Let's begin by noting together the appointment of the Apostle Paul. So with that in mind, look if you would beginning in verse 8. Paul said, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Then down in verse 12, Paul would say, For this reason I also suffer these things. And then he points out he had, been an, he had been appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Let's just first and foremost maybe spend some time talking about the conversion of Paul. If you go back to the book of Acts, you remember in chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus had welded a lot of power. And he welded that power, directed it toward the church, those who were followers of the way. The Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and that changed everything. For three days Saul of Tarsus fasted and prayed to the Lord. After three days, Ananias, and Ananias was called upon by the Lord to go and to be that human vessel to baptize Saul into Christ. And you remember when the Lord instructed him to go. Saul said, Lord, I've heard, we've heard by many about this man. In other words, he had a reputation. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Saul of Tarsus had a reputation. When Stephen was put to death, Saul was present. The Bible says in chapter 8, he made havoc of the church. He was a church wrecker. His intent was to destroy Christianity, to bring it to naught. And yet, the Lord said to Ananias, go your way. He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the children of Israel, kings and the Gentiles. Paul had a divine command to preach and teach the gospel. Now, he was a willing participant in that. But we talk about his conversion to the Lord and then his consecration and credentials. Let me just maybe make mention of his credentials for a moment. In his letter to Timothy, he points out that he had been appointed a preacher and an apostle. An apostle means one sin. The apostles were divine spokesmen for Almighty God. God's Word rested within those earthen vessels. That is, they received revelation from Almighty God. They took that revelation and as a result of that, preached it, they taught it, and as Paul would say, he even recorded it. Paul responsible for about 13 books in the New Testament. But nonetheless, you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, he was well credentialed. He was a man that had sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was very well known by his Jewish counterparts, a Pharisee of the strictest sect. And so he was ripe for the task that the Lord appointed him to. So when you look at the life of Paul and you think about the adversities and trials that he faced, There is no way Paul would have been able to do as much good as he did had he not been consecrated to the cause of Christ. If you want a verse that I think in some ways sort of typifies the attitude of Paul, it's Galatians chapter 2 at verse 20. When Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Paul's life was all about serving the Lord. You remember when he wrote to the church at Corinth in his second letter. He said, we preach Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, ourselves, your servants, for His sake. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 2, Paul would say, I determine not to know anything among you except Christ and Him crucified. Read sometime this week, if you have opportunity, the book of Philippians. And look at chapter 1 in the book of Philippians and note how often Paul alludes to Christ over and over again. That's what his life was about. That's why in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he could say, for to me to live is Christ. That was the summation of life for him. So the scriptures talk about his conversion to Christ and his consecration. I want you to see something in connection with His conversion and consecration. Look at verse 9. Paul said, talking about the Lord who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before time began. Now that's an allusion to this redemptive plan that was in the mind of God before He ever created man. And the idea is that Jesus was that lamb slain before time began, as John the Apostle writes about in Revelation chapter 13. God's decree was to save the human family in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now God's grace is a marvelous thing. There's no way that we will ever be able to earn or merit our salvation, but that in no way negates our obedience to the gospel of Christ. When Ananias confronted Saul of Tarsus, you remember what he said? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. God's grace located in Christ, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We get into Christ by being baptized into Him, and then we, re- we become the recipients of all His spiritual blessings. And note if you would in verse 10, Paul said... That as a result of the appearing of Jesus Christ, the Savior, He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now Paul's not saying here that we're not going to taste the sting of death as he talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. But in many ways, the sting of death has been negated nullified to some extent by the finished work of Christ. Because when we die, we step out onto the plains of eternity into the presence of Almighty God. Again, Philippians 1.21, Paul said to depart and be of Christ, far better. Verse 23. And so the idea is we're in the presence of Almighty God. But we enjoy life today. The quality of life that we enjoy in Christ. It's an abundant life, as Jesus said in John 10.10. But then in writing to Titus, he said, We live in hope of life eternal. And that's not some hope so, maybe so pie in the sky. But rather, the idea is there is conviction that eternal life awaits every faithful child of God. So number one, the appointment of the Apostle Paul. Number two, let's talk about the adversities or the afflictions of the Apostle Paul. Now look again at verse 8. Number one, think about the cause of all the trials and difficulties that Paul faced in his life. Paul writes in verse 8, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Now Paul was a prisoner of Nero Caesar, wasn't he? But in this context, Paul's saying, look, I'm not just a prisoner of Caesar." But rather, I am a prisoner. I am a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who are prisoners do what? They do what the guards tell them to do. Those who have been instructed to watch over them. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that we have signed on service with. And we have become servants of His, and so we follow His will. But Paul said, Share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. The gospel is God's power unto salvation. That's what Paul said in writing to the church at Rome. But I want you to think about something for a moment or two. Paul was a marked man because of his preaching, teaching, and relationship to the Lord. There were folks that did everything within their power to hinder him and to harm him. Paul traveled about 10,000 miles in his missionary endeavors. And when you look at the various exploits of Paul in his preaching and teaching, there are a lot of rough times, a lot of rocky roads. But the point is, he did all of that gladly because of what the Lord had done for him. The catalyst for our service in the kingdom of God and our willingness to suffer Shame for His name is because of what the Lord has done on our behalf. It's because of that that we're willing to endure. Insults, insinuations, taunts, and not just verbal insinuations, but also sometimes physical uh, maladies as well. So we talk about the cause of His suffering, but I want you to note something about the conduct of His suffering, or the conduct while He suffered. Now, I mentioned a minute ago that Jesus was the source, or really the reason, the cause, why He suffered. But His conduct was always in line with how the Lord would have Him to live. Now, turn over to chapter 2 for a minute. I want you to see something in our text. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Pick up with me in verse 8. Paul said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, Jesus came through the seed line of King David. And he said, He was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And I think Paul here taking ownership of the gospel. We ought to take ownership of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because we're following the Lord and because we serve Him. But Paul said, For which cause I suffer trouble, even as an evildoer. Now note, to the point of chains. Paul is identified by those around him as, in many respects, an evildoer, troublemaker. And as a result of his preaching and teaching, Paul's saying, Look, I'm in chains. But, here's what he went on to say. But the Word of God is not chained. It was true Paul had been apprehended, imprisoned. It's true that Paul was brought before magistrates. But the fact of the matter is that in no way negated his service to the Lord. It might have been the case that they could bridle him in terms of where he went. But they couldn't bridle his mouth. Now when we talk about our conduct, As a Christian. You know, over in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter in the long ago says that we're not to suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. But then he said, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but glorify God in this matter. There are people in the world today that are suffering because of poor choices in life. And sometimes even Christians make poor choices. And they suffer because of the choices that they made in life. It goes back to what Paul taught with regard to sowing and reaping. It's just a law of nature. It's a law of nature in the physical realm, also in the spiritual realm. But you look at the life of Paul. And Paul tried to live an honorable Christian life. When we suffer for the cause of Christ, Peter said, look, don't be ashamed. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But you be willing to suffer for the gospel according to the power of God. Now just think for a moment the world that we're living in the time that we're living in in many respects is a very difficult time in the history of our country as i said a minute as i said earlier today there are things that are sanctioned today that never would have passed years ago and sometimes as god's people because we're supposed to be distinctive and different in how we live And as a result of that, sometimes tough tough times come. But sometimes it may be the case that when we face adversity, rather than maintaining Christian conduct, we stoop to how the world acts. Now, I have said before, I do not use social media. And there's nothing wrong with using social media. Social media can be used in a very positive, productive way. But it can also be used negatively. And sometimes as Christians, even in our so-called fight for what is right, sometimes we stoop to the level of the world in answering those who are in the world regarding their taunts. So the idea is, look, we've got to maintain our integrity. Go back and look at the lives of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys had been deported to Babylon. And yet one of the things that stands out at an early age, read Daniel chapter 1. They were deported when they were about 17, 18 years of age, teenagers. And yet, they maintained a pure life despite the hardships that they faced. So you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and when Paul is writing to Timothy, Paul is saying, Look, I want you to preach the word. Paul's about to leave. And so Paul is equipping him to carry on the work of the ministry that he is to carry on preaching and teaching the gospel. And he talked about over in chapter 4 how there would be people that would arise that are not willing to hear sound doctrine, but they have itching ears. And Then you remember down in verse 5, he said, I want you to do the work of, a, of an evangelist. Be willing to suffer affliction. Well, why? Because Christianity and difficulty, trial, suffering go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive. So you look at the life of Paul. You see the cause for his suffering and then his conduct while he suffered. What do people see in you as a Christian? What do people think about when they observe your character? Didn't Paul tell Timothy to be an example of the believers in word and in conduct? And the idea is, I want you to demonstrate New Testament Christianity to everyone that's around you. You show the world what it means to be a New Testament Christian. And that's in good times as well as in bad times. Now there's a third thing I want to share with you. We talk about the appointment of the Apostle Paul, his adversities or afflictions, but then thirdly, note if you would, the assurance Of the Apostle Paul. I want you to drop down with me and look now at verse 12. Again, Paul speaks of the suffering that he faced. Look at verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things. He had been appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. And as the Lord said back in Acts chapter 9, about verse 15, you remember what he said to Ananias? I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul would write to the saints in Galatians and say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had a lot of scars, battle scars if you please. But now look at verse 12. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. So number one, let's just talk for a minute or two about the conviction of Paul. He had what I would say to be rock-solid faith, the kind of faith that was immovable. Just like what he said to the church at Corinth, I want you to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, the Lord appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. He had seen the Lord. He was an eyewitness of the Lord. And Let me tell you what, his faith could not be shaken. I like what he said to the church at Corinth. He said, we believe. Therefore, because we believe, we speak. Now, that's conviction. Going back to Peter and John when they were commanded not to preach or teach in the name of Christ, and they said, look, we can't but speak the things we've seen and heard. How convicted are you in the faith? I appreciate you being here this afternoon. I've said many times that you could be a lot of different places, but you're here because it was your choice. And so our coming together is a demonstration of our faith in the Lord of our conviction in the Lord and our consecration to the Lord. You know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. How am I going to grow my faith? How am I going to become stronger in the faith? I've got to stay connected to this book. Because Peter said that we're to grow in grace and knowledge. That doesn't happen overnight. And so when we face tough times, as Paul did in the first century, one of the things that sustained him through all of that was the Lord. You remember when he wrote to the church at Corinth and talked about how there had been given to him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him? And he asked God to remove that thorn in the flesh, and God said, Look, my grace is sufficient for you. And what Paul learned was that he needed to depend solely upon the Lord. That's the case today. To develop that rock solid faith that come what may, we're not going to back down. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like Daniel, just like Paul and others. So, number one, there was this conviction, but then also, note if you would, his commitment. I think there's something really important here in verse 12. will not you look with me if you would for a minute. Paul said, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him until that day. Here's what Paul's saying. When Paul became a child of God, He placed His eternal soul in the hands of the Almighty. He deposited deposited His soul into the safekeeping of Almighty God. Now turn over and look at 1 Peter chapter 4 for a minute. You remember Peter is writing to people that are suffering for their faith. And he talks about how the trying of your faith, being more precious Then gold, though it's tried by fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's found in chapter 1. Over in chapter 4, he talks about the sufferings of Christ and says, I want you to arm yourselves with the same mind. Be ready to suffer. But then he said, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls unto Him, that is, unto God, Now, note what he says, as to a faithful Creator. When you became a child of God, you placed your eternal soul in the hands of God for His safekeeping. Now, here's, to me, one of the great blessings about being a child of God. You remember over in chapter 4, Paul talked about how death was imminent. That the time of his departure had come, he was already being offered. He knew he was about to leave this world. And down in verse 18, he said, the Lord's going to preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Well, you know, I've never died. I've never stepped out onto the plains of eternity, nor has anyone that I know today. But I know this, death's coming. I don't say that. I don't say that to be a pessimist, just real world stuff. Unless the Lord comes, we're going to walk that corridor. The Hebrew writer said, It's appointed unto man once to die, after this comes the judgment. So when I step out into eternity, when I cross the bar, so to speak, I want to have the conviction of heart that I have committed my soul into the hand of a loving God that will fulfill every promise that we read about in Scripture. David, a man after God's own heart, and David had his flaws, no doubt. But David was a man intent on doing the Lord's will. And you remember David said in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why? Because he said, You're with me. Now, if David could say that in the moonlight dispensation, what about those of us today who live in the sunlight dispensation? We live under that perfect law of liberty. And the Bible assures us, as Paul does over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that when death comes, we have a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, says something about his character, doesn't it? When God makes a promise, He will stand by that promise. He will honor that promise. And what Peter is saying is, look, you may be suffering, and life might get tough. Matter of fact, it will get tough at times. But you need to understand that as one of, the, as one of God's children, you have deposited your soul into the safekeeping of Almighty God. You have committed your soul unto a faithful creator. So this afternoon, the good thing is if we face tough times in this life, the Lord's going to be with us. If we were to face tough times and life were to come to an end, the Lord's going to be with us. Jesus said, blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You remember He said, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. There's a song we sing. One of the stanzas says, Just one glimpse of Him in glory will all the toils of life repay. Will it be worth it? Yes. A million times over. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I encourage you to come to Christ Put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God, just like Paul did many, many years ago. Respond by obeying the gospel, being baptized into Christ. Let God wash all your sins away, as He did in the case of Paul, Acts 22:16. 16. God will then put you in the church. That's the community of the saved. The beauty of that is when the Lord comes, He's going to save His people. He's the Savior of the body. If you're here this afternoon, maybe your life's not what it ought to be and you need to make things right. And You'd like to ask for the church to pray on your behalf. That's a privilege we have. Maybe you face tough times in life and you just need people to pray with you and for you as you battle adversity. That's a privilege we have. James said, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Whatever your need may be, please come as we stand and sing.